Welcome to Benefits, What Like It's Hard? The podcast that breaks down the truths and misconceptions about all things benefits. Not only do we talk about what you should know about the benefits offered to you through your employer, but we also tackle topics on physical and financial wellness. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a podcast? Join me, Libby Allison, each week to hear from people just like you sharing their own experiences and experts giving us the inside scoop on the information we need to be successful. Hi everyone, today we have Raquel back to talk about another wellness episode and I'm actually so excited for this topic. So Raquel, do you want to kick it off with what we're going to talk about today? Sure. Thanks, Libby. So today I thought it would be interesting in light of February being American Heart Month to talk a little bit about this book called Blue Zones that some of you may have heard of and the research behind it. So best-selling author and researcher Dan Butner researched these regions in the country where people are living to be 100 plus years old and that really is intriguing to a lot of us because we think about most people on average uh, live to be anywhere from 75 to 85 years old on average. And so when we think about what are some of the qualities and characteristics of places where people are living past 100 is pretty remarkable. So today I just wanted to bring um, to our listeners, what are the nine things that people who live to over a hundred do regularly to promote longevity. Okay. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. It's I cool. think it's so interesting. So do you know anybody who's over a hundred years old? I do not. I do don't you? <laughs> so we I must mean, not be in a blue zone. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, it, it's interesting. Um, just real uh, side note, my son works at a nursing home and he said the oldest resident there is 102 years old. Wow. So um, we do have them in our backyard, but yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting when you think about it. Um, and these places that I'm going to talk about, um, they're very prevalent. So there are uh, many people who live past 100 um, in these parts of the world. So just to give you an idea specifically of the places we're going to be talking about that um, came out of the research of the book Blue Zones. So the five places are... Icuria, which is in Greece, Loma Linda in California, Sardinia in Italy, Okinawa in Japan, and Nicoya in Costa Rica. So those are the places where they have the highest number number of centurions is one term, centennials is another term, but essentially all meaning living past the age of 100. So we'll just go ahead and dive right in. Talk about um, what are those nine characteristics. So the first one is move naturally. And what's interesting here is in the book it talks about it's not necessarily that you have to exercise like we think about it here. It's more so in your daily living. Um, What was found in the research is they were living a very active lifestyle. So whether it was physically walking to the store versus us getting in our cars to drive a mile down the street to go to CVS or working in the gardens, tending to their land, making meals by hand. All this had a significant amount of movement within their day without even having to think about it. So I think that nugget to take away from that is just 
making sure that we are active and moving throughout our day. And that's something I think definitely we can all um, take as really good advice. One of the things that was interesting in the second point, which is have a sense of purpose, is I mentioned the countries that have a lifespan of over 100 um, with a large portion of their population living that long. One of them is city of Okinawa, and they refer to kind of having a purpose in your life as ikigai, and there's actually a book called Ikigai, and it talks about really finding your sense of purpose and, like, why are you here? And on a deeper level, tuning into your purpose helps you really have that sense of belonging and needing to fulfill some sort of duty or responsibility on your time on Earth. So yeah. I think that's pretty deep and profound. Um, also, the Costa Rican um, town that I mentioned of Nicoya, they also have a term that they refer to called plan de vida, and that is, why do I wake up in the morning? So again, just kind of interesting to ponder. That was one of the key takeaways. So the first one, getting active and moving with purpose. The second one is your sense of purpose. It's pretty interesting. That is interesting. So the third one is establish community. And what they found specifically doesn't have to be faith-based per se, but one of the common threads, especially like when we think of Loma Linda, which was the one place here in the United States where they have uh, a lot of centennials, is Loma Linda is known for their Seventh-day Adventist and that they take up a large portion of that community in Loma Linda. And so just having a sense of community really seems to be a protective factor and absolutely I think is a great kind of resilient factor towards depression or feeling mm -hmm. alone, um, which is another interesting find from the research. So that was another one, having a sense of community. I think so far as we're going through these, it's apparent from just these first three and I think we all know this in the back of our mind, but we're not as intentional about it as we could be. Um, it sounds like overall picture is that a key to living a longer life is to be physically active and also just be mentally healthy. And it, it it's also, it gives me some hope too, knowing that kind of there's been a culture shift, at least in the United States, towards needing to be more active and a more openness to talking about mental health. So maybe we'll see kind of a spike in how many centennials we have here mm -hmm. as we as we kind of build on the foundation of those two thoughts. Yeah, I definitely agree. And just kind of thinking about family members that are in that stage of life. My father just turned 77 yesterday. And I think about the importance. Um, he tends to have a very closed mind when it comes to his age and getting older. And he just, he just assumes things are going to break down and inevitably, you know, his time will come. But I think what's important is just the family around him to remind ourselves that we need to make sure that he's immersed 
has a sense of community, that he's moving, that he's active, that he doesn't let his age be a handicap, because ultimately that is, I think, um, what many older adults kind of put in their heads as a default, that I'm getting older, and now because of my age, quote unquote, I, I can't move as much, I can't be active, I can't have this life of purpose, so to speak. So I think that's kind of a takeaway for me is like, wait a second, I need to just remind my dad of these things because he's in that time yeah, um, in that older state totally of, of life. So, all right. So let's go to number four. And again, these are just the cliff notes. So if you are interested, I highly recommend checking out the book Blue Zones. It's really fascinating uh, and gives light to all of these that I'm capturing in much more depth uh, in terms of the different countries and the findings. Um, So again, we're just going to cover this um, more in a highlight fashion. So the fourth one is minimize stress. Couldn't we all agree there? Um, To your point, Libby, stress, mental health, all that seems to be bubbling up in terms of society now paying a closer attention to that. Um, So in this area, what they found was centennials have incorporated a routine into their daily lives to help release stress. For example, in Sardinia, which is a little island off the coast of Italy, they enjoy a daily happy hour. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Uh, Adventist, and this would be back to Loma Linda, California, recognize a weekly Sabbath. And Icurians, and Icurian is in Greece, Icaria, they have a mid-afternoon nap. Another great practice I think we should incorporate. Amen to both of those. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we're officially going to rally for mid-afternoon naps and a daily happy hour. (laughs) And Saturday is now a day of of rest. So just interesting there, you know, just building in that time for yourself and that sense of balance, I think is the key takeaway for number four. Yeah. Number five is eat until you're 80% full. This is definitely something that we all have heard of that, you know, once you start to feel full, you give your stomach a chance to catch up to your brain, which typically takes about 15 minutes. Um, what they find in these cultures, so the Okinawans, as an example in Japan, live by the mantra, Hara Hachi Bu, which encourages them to stop eating when their stomachs are nearly full. So that was another interesting practice that they focus on that one is interesting and of all of the of all of the things we're going to talk about today to me that's probably the hardest one yes (laughs) I think that we just live also in a culture now where food is such a big thing it's a it's all over social media we have so many apps that are centered around food And to be honest, food is just one of those things that keeps me going and I think keeps a lot of people going Mm -hmm. throughout the day, like looking forward to the end of the day when I can just eat dinner Mm -hmm. (laughs) really honestly is something, I mean, I just feel like we center a lot of our day around what we're going to eat, but, and how much of it we're going to eat. Right. But really we should be thinking about how much we're putting in our bodies probably yeah overeating yeah um one of the things that they found was 
that they tend to eat their smallest meal in the late afternoon or early evening. And that has led to better sleep because you think about your digestive tract when yeah. it's working at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock because it can take you three to four hours to digest, um, especially if you're doing like high protein in the evenings with um, that can take time to digest. So they have found to have um, better sleep and lower BMI. So I think a key takeaway here is try to eat smaller meals in the evenings. I've also heard people say try not to eat past 7 p.m. as a general rule of thumb. That also can lead to helping us not overeat. Okay. I've heard 9 p.m., but 7 p.m. is 7 what you're PM. hearing. Okay. Yes, that's 7 p.m. And I've actually been trying to stick to that. It's not always going to happen, right? But yeah. I think if you're conscious about it and you try to eat earlier, it does absolutely help your body rest and recover much more efficiently if you're eating earlier in the evening. Yeah, I think that's hard, especially for people like people who are working and full time. And for me, I'm going to the gym almost every day after the work. I don't, I, I don't even get home until seven most nights. Yeah. So, I'll take that as a challenge. Yeah. But um, that's interesting. Yeah. So number six is eat plant-based and this is something if you've been watching the Netflix documentary I feel like every other month they have a new one on why you should eat plant-based so really interesting here that a lot of these countries where they have centennials are eating more plant-based diets now that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have um, meat in your diet it just means that when they are eating meat they're eating it more for a celebratory reason and they're eating it very, very small portions. So that is interesting. They typically are going to consume their food, as an example, the Okinawans in Japan with soy, tofu, um, the Nikoyans in Costa Rica, squash, corn, beans. So again, think about how you can incorporate more protein, or sorry, more plant-based um, in its natural form and that can really have tremendous benefits to your health. I think that's one that we would all agree to. It's just the amount of meat we're consuming and other things. Yeah, we're so used to making meat the central portion of our meal. Right. And not necessarily our vegetables and other plant-based items that you would find. But I do think that that's another shift that's been happening as being more plant based focus in our meals than centering our meals around the meat that we're going to eat. Yeah, I've seen a lot of like vegetarian options being offered. I mean, you've got the Impossible Burger at Burger King. You've got like the um, Chipotle has their tofu version of of meatless entree. Um, So you're seeing it a lot more. As a general rule of thumb, the size of meat that you should be consuming on your plate should be no larger than your what is this? the palm, of, the your palm hand? of your hand yeah that's the size of the meat so like if you think about a chicken breast that you would normally cook it's probably twice the size of that yeah. if you put your two hands together your two palms is probably the length of your chicken breast you actually should be keeping that in half so one thing that I've started to do is instead of getting chicken breast I'll get chicken tenders yeah you know or chicken strips they're yeah. already pre-cut and that 
is a way for me to try not to eat as much meat. I'm still eating it, but in less Are you just quantity. doubling up on the veggies that you're eating then yes. with that? Okay. Yeah. Yep. So just be mindful of that. I think it's good to have a frame of reference. So that's yeah. a good frame of reference is the palm of your hand. All right. So number seven is moderate your alcohol intake. Studies have shown that moderate drinking tend to outlive non-drinkers. This is interesting. So they're saying that you can drink, um, but it's just in moderation. And actually the drinking is a protective mechanism. So that is really interesting. This is not saying that you shouldn't drink. It's actually saying that um, based in those blue zone parts of the country, they're drinking on average two drinks a day. We mentioned Sardinia in Italy. If you've ever gone to Italy or gone to an Italian restaurant, you know that wine is a big part um, of their diet. And so despite that, they, they are still seeing um, really good health outcomes as a result of drinking in moderation. Um, so all of the Blue Zones drink alcohol with the exception of Loma Linda, which is because they're Adventists and they don't practice um, alcohol, consumption of alcohol. So interesting there. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So then we're down to our last two. Um, the next one is sense of belonging. So this kind of, I think, parallels with having a sense of purpose and also having a community. So a sense of belonging is really speaking to the idea that they have very, very strong social circles. And that has really made a tremendous difference. So a lot of these Blue Zones areas have very close ties with their friends and family. And that has resulted in that buffer emotionally and financially in, the, in a time of need. Yeah. So that sense of having a close group of friends or a close-knit family um, unit, that really is protective. And then, you know, we've seen research where if you're married, it's much more protective than if you're single for the rest of your life. Those types of things, just having a very close-knit circle that you can lean on is um, one of the key factors. The last one is... I think also along those same lines, prioritize family. So attend across the blue zones is that they commit to a life partner. Studies have found that this increases to life expectancy. So I, I kind of mentioned that in the earlier point. They keep also elderly parents and grandparents nearby or even in the home so that they can care for them. They invest time and love in their children and they serve as caregivers for them when the time comes. So I think these are all linked, um, but this sense of very, very close family units where they're bringing in the grandparents, they're taking care of them, they're not just kind of leaving them to be, um, and also kind of the flip side of that, children are being raised in the families with parents, cousins, grandparents, and so forth. And that has also been shown to be very beneficial and um, protective for longevity. Yeah. Interesting, right? It is interesting, but I think it makes sense. Mm -hmm. All of this seems to be, when you say it, it's like, oh, no-brainer. Mm. Right. Because it's all just about living a healthier lifestyle physically and mentally, which we've we talk about a lot on the podcast. Yeah. 
But when you put it in terms of people are actually doing this who are living really long lives, it makes it more real than I think it ever has been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the key to longevity and abundance is definitely relationship-oriented in large part because there are a number of these are focused around having a strong social circle and making sure that you're plugged in. So plugged into your community, plugged into um, your neighbors and friends and, and colleagues in a way that really brings very fruitful relationships um, is really important. So I think that's something we all can agree to. The other key piece is getting just daily movement in your day and trying to eat mindfully. Um, And just, again, back to the point of minimizing stress, trying to find that balance. So I think these are probably not too a huge surprise as we're talking through them, but just, again, just reminding us um, that it's attainable for all of us, really, which I think is something that we can all um, get excited about is that it wasn't a magic bullet. It wasn't something that they were doing that um, you and I couldn't carry on in, in our later years of life. You know, these are all things that we all can can have and um, can eventually, you know, live to be a hundred one day in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thanks, Raquel. I thought that this was really interesting and honestly brings out kind of brings all of the topics that we've talked about on the podcast together into gives it kind of the why. Why are we talking about living a healthier lifestyle? Mm-hmm. It's so, so that we can live longer and ultimately be more productive. Yeah. While living our longer life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Libby. Again, if you want to check out the book, it's called Blue Zones, and it's by Dan Butner, and he will go into more depth and highly recommend it. It's it's fascinating research identifying those parts of the world where they're seeing longevity um, in the masses and something that we all strive for. So thanks so much. See you next time. Nothing we say in this podcast is representative of any specific plan and should not be construed as legal, regulatory, or accounting advice. If there is any discrepancy between what we say and your plan document, your plan document will always prevail.